0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Well, we had to do an emergency edition of the Illini Enquirer podcast because Illinois basketball making it a feel-good Friday. With a little bit of a surprise commitment and an early commitment from the class of 2024, and one of the top prospects in the state in the class of 2024, Mores Johnson, six foot nine power forward out of St. Rita, which is maybe one of the most loaded teams in the state with all this in state talent leaving the state, but St. Rita uh, has loaded up. And, and the guy who broke the news, Scott Burgess, prephoopsillinois.com. Scott, um, this is big news for a Friday morning for Illinois.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when, right when you think it's, uh, it's all about the 22 class and so- National signing Day next Wednesday. Um, I know a lot of Illinois fans are, are anticipating the uh, Ty Rogers news, and then, boom, you get a surprise. So, um, good. U- huge day for Illinois. land the number two player in the state of Illinois the 2024 class um he'll be right now we're doing our overall top 50 prospects regardless of class in illinois and he'll be one of the top five overall prospects regardless of class in illinois so a huge pickup i'll
1: I'll ask you all about him but this is an early commitment scott in a day and age where i I mean you and i remember tracy abrams those guys were committing as sophomores um that isn't as popular nowadays or as big of a trend so how do you think Illinois was able to land him early, and why do you think mores wanted to to commit to Illinois so early?
2: Yeah, you know, you're definitely right. Like when when you and I were first doing this, it was early commitments and Jeremy committing before he even entered high school, and kids getting offers that super early. And it just it's definitely trended away from that. Which honestly, like I think, is a good trend in general, Agreed. Uh, kids. But with mores, what's different is he took visits it's not like he never visited these schools um he visited ohio state he visited then he visited illinois he went to notre dame and he went to oklahoma all with his teammate and um a fellow top prospect james brown and um from from what sources have told me is he wanted to commit right after the illinois visit he was sold on what what they you know what they said he wanted to stay in state and um you know people in his camp wanted to you know calm the brakes a little bit and say hey like you know let's not fall in love on the on the first or second visit here let's see what these other schools have to offer so he uh he tripped to uh, Notre Dame and he went to Oklahoma uh this past weekend uh for their football game and everything and he uh he came back and said I still want to do it and um, I'm, I'm done with the process. You know, uh, when I interviewed him at Pangos a couple weeks ago, uh, you could kind of tell he was already over the recruiting <laughs> stuff, like, which is, is weird to say as a sophomore, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of offers early in the process, and he was just, I think, ready to get this done with. He's one of those kids that loves, he just wants to play basketball and just want to get out there and do his thing, and I think, uh, you know, all the interviews and all of the other stuff, it just started to wear on him a little bit, yeah. but he knew what he wanted to do. And he pulled the trigger.
1: So obviously for Tim Anderson, uh, Mean Streets connection here, Merez plays for the Mean Streets. And, and Tim knows the Chicago area very, very well. This is, this is a big first edition for him. Obviously. What do you think Tim and Brad Underwood did so well here and how much, I mean, Scott. It's been a while since they've been able to sell a lot of success to in-state prospects. How big a role do you think that that uh, played in this recruitment?
2: Yeah, it's huge. Like, I mean, you know, for years you hear like two thousand five, two thousand five, and like these kids don't even know who those guys are. Like, they don't even know who Darren Williams is, and Darren Williams was a multi-time NBA All Star. But now you can sell them on the success that's happened over the last two years with with IO and Kofi and, you know, Curvello, they're going to be a top 10 team this year. Um, One of the top teams in the big 10. So you have a lot to sell right now. And now's the time to capitalize on that success from last year. Um, Recruiting success. You really see in those next couple classes after you have a big year. And um, this is huge. Yeah. Tim Anderson um, paying off immediately right here with the mean streets connection Um, That that was a huge pickup for him um the whole staff really worked it they were very um even before tim officially came on staff um you know jeff alexander chester frazier brad underwood and tyler underwood they were all um at st rita games consistently during june at riverside brookfield and ridgewood and made them feel like a priority um and i think that was important to to those guys at st rita um, and uh, yeah it's it's paid huge dividends early on and uh, you know for Illinois fans uh, you this gives you even more hope that you can get in to that pipeline not only with Mean Streets but with St. Rita because they have two other top five prospects in that class they have one of the three best prospects in the freshman class uh, in Melvin Bell so um, yeah it's it's a huge day for Illinois
1: all right, so Illinois beats out schools like Florida, Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, uh, Texas had offered as well. You mentioned Oklahoma visit there. Um, who, what kind of player is Illinois getting? I mean, he's only a sophomore, so he can grow this game before he gets to Champaign. But what kind of prospect makes him the number two prospect in the state in his class?
2: Yeah, so he's just an explosive power forward. He's long, athletic. Uh, got good positional size. Those are the things you look for from the jump in a young prospect. Um, he plays with a motor. He plays with tenacity, both on the re- both rebounding, running the floor. He's a great rim runner, um, and the skills really starting to come along. Um, I saw him uh, a couple weeks ago at Pango's camp, and he had he maybe the first game he had one of the most dominant performances I've seen at that camp ever, and it was. Seals, spin moves on the block, rim running, catching lobs, uh, getting on the offensive glass for second chances. He's really super explosive on that second jump. Uh, good rebounder on both ends can block shots. The offensive game is starting to expand too. Um, we saw several threes that he made stretching the floor, uh, working in the pick and roll, working in the pick and pop. Um you know, I think right now he hangs his hat kind of on the energy motor, um, tenacity, uh, stuff around the basket, works well in the high-low with, with his teammate, but I think as time goes on, I think he could definitely evolve into a stretch four with uh, the capabilities to do even more.
1: Obviously, when you look at big men, you need a length, you want athleticism, Scott, but uh, tenacity and uh, effort and motor that sounds like it's up Brad Underwood's radar but that also to me for you is as, as an evaluator that has to stick out uh, when it comes to big men because I mean it's not always you, you see that kind of effort and tenacity and that, that's so important especially in a league like the Big Ten
2: yeah just in general the whole motor thing has become something that over the last four or five years I put a lot more emphasis on that it's something that if you want to play at the highest level, you have to bring it consistently. And I think he's the type of kid that he's starting to show that he has that, like that drive and that willingness to want to dominate. Um, you know, obviously last year as a freshman, you know, they they started four freshmen most of the season, and they got their butts handed to them a lot of game. But, like, they those guys kept fighting, and you could see it in Morez that he really – he wants to be really good, and he plays the game the right way. And, yeah, like you said, the uh, the motor thing is something um, in the Big Ten that plays really well with all the toughness. Um, you know, he's he's got he, – I would say he's wiry strong at this point. He's not, like, super strong, but he's got the frame to continue to add strength, which, um, you know, obviously he's got three years to do that before he gets to the Big Ten. So, Uh, Yeah, but the motor is definitely something I love about him.
1: I just got the replacements. He's wiry in my head uh, after you said that. All right, you mentioned it. You mentioned St. Rita is absolutely loaded. James Brown is, is the number one prospect in the class of 2024, according to you guys, uh, according to you, Scott. Um, and uh, I mean, what do you think this does for Illinois? Is they not only approach the St. Rita kids, but um, this is a really good sign for underclassmen, right? Whether it's 23, 24, 25, uh, Illinois seems like it's got kind of a head start on a lot of those.
2: Yeah. I think they've done a great job getting in early on these guys. Um you know, getting the St. Rita kids down there, getting Nogis down that same weekend, um, you know, they're, they've put out offers to the correct 2025 guys, Bryce Hurd, uh, Munoz, uh, Melvin Bell. So, you know, getting those involved with those guys early, I think it's, you know, obviously paid big dividends today, but then you talk about 2023s, like you can start selling those guys now on, You know, not only do we have guys in the 22 class like a Jaden Epps um, that you know are locked in, but then on the back end, you can say, you know, we got Merez coming already. So you can sell that to um, an Asa Thomas. You can sell that to Jeremy Fears and Boswell and uh, Day Day and all those guys that, you know, you're going to have a guy to throw lobs to. You're going to have somebody coming and uh yeah I think it's definitely important and you know I think with one of the questions I get a lot from just my friends that are Illinois fans and people in general is like when are they going to start to dominate Chicago and it's like you're never going to dominate Chicago like it's it's never going to be where you're going to go up there and land the top five players in the state like that's not going to ever happen. But this is a big sign, I think, of things shifting um, for a, an in-state kid with, you know, ten really good high-major offers to be like, I'm done. I see what I want to see. I know what this program's about, and I want to just get this over with. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a big, big sign for them.
0: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Scott, before I let you go, I just want to get your quick thoughts on illinois efforts with some of those guys uh first off a new in state it's rare that you get to see a kid transfer into the state and not out of the state uh but ty rogers now at thornton uh, which obviously uh ty streets and in the mean streets connections there he played for ty for aau as well illinois seems like it's really in a battle with michigan state a few others uh for him but coming down to the wire here with early signing period next week uh where do you think that recruitment stands
2: yeah, so obviously I think he's down officially to Illinois, Michigan State, Memphis, Alabama. Um, I don't see Alabama that much in the mix. From what I'm hearing, it like, Illinois and Michigan State, it's a battle between those guys right now. Um, before he moved to Illinois, like, just this summer and stuff, when I was around him at several tournaments, kind of the buzz was he was going to go to Michigan or Michigan State. Um, you know, that toughness factor that brad underwood loves also is very much shared by tom Izzo, and so i think he fits those two programs perfectly um he's the kind of player that you can you can not maybe necessarily build the program around but he's a, a guy that can be a piece for multiple years because you're going to get a top what 30 40 50 player in the country there and he's going to be there for three years it's not like you're expecting him to be a one and done and that's what has turned around the Illinois program is not necessarily getting the Cola Whitney's or like those type of players who were going to bounce after a year you get Io for three years you get Kofi for three years you get Curbelo for two if not three years those are the type of guys you can build on with class after class and He brings the tenacity. He brings the defense. He's a really good rebounder, slasher. I think the thing holding him back right now is he's not a great shooter. He's a solid shooter, but not a great shooter. Um, But all the intangibles that he brings um, would be a huge addition to Illinois um, alongside, you know, the two commits that they already have in that class. I think he would be, like, the perfect addition to what they already have. And, yes, it's very nice to have a player move into the state – and not see them move out thank you very much yeah what
1: <laughs> were your thoughts what were your thoughts i know illinois fans dreaming of jj taylor i mean i that kid is probably gonna have a chance to go pro right away right but um just what are your thoughts on, on him going that route some kids going overtime you know I, I, three unbelievable in-state prospects and in, or i guess four now that that have left in that class of 2023 when you include matas Buzellas, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that and probably was awful with it. Jeremy fears, Kylan Boswell, like that, uh, that's a heck of a group that's, that's playing all across the country.
2: Yeah. And then obviously you throw in 2022, Amari Bailey yeah. and number one player in the country. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard to lose those guys because you look at the, you look at the rankings and it's like, yeah, it, it would look a lot better if those four were one through four. And then, The the rest of it looks a lot better. But um, I just think it's where it's going now, unfortunately. It's just kids want to go to prep school. They want to play in these national tournaments every single weekend. And, um, yeah, I – like, I think there's certain traditional – like Brewster, um, you know, uh, a program like La Lumiere. Those are, like, established programs, but I'm never going to understand – Donda to academy i just not my deal but whatever yeah anybody anybody who knows me knows me knows i love taylor swift's so i can't have anything to do with kind of
1: <laughs> i got you man you gotta defend your girl um yeah all right before before i let you go uh, jeremy furious kyle and boswell have been here on campus uh, Illinois has got a heck of a guard pitch, right? I mean, with with Io doing what he's doing in the NBA, the development he had here, Curbelo, the development he's had here, and we expect him to take another step. Uh, I mean, Jaden Epps has bought into it, Sincere Harris. And uh, what do you think uh, of the Illini's chances of getting at least one of those guys?
2: Yeah, I think they're definitely in the mix. And you got to throw Darren Ames in there yeah. as well. So they're in on three guys that I would consider all top 50 prospects. In the country, at the the position that is at the end of the day, the most important position on the floor. Like as as Illinois fans have seen with Io and Trent Frazier and Curbello, what having guys like that has done for your program. Like it's great to have wings and bigs and everything, but if you don't have the guy that can get them the ball and you don't have the guy that can can control the pace of the game and run a team, none of that really matters. And so they're in on three of the best in the country um you know I, I'm hearing a lot of positive signs toward them with all three um I think that um you know with Boswell obviously being from Champaign that it's going to be a huge factor in the recruitment it's you know does he want to come home and Illinois has got that selling point to him uh with fears I think Illinois has done the best job recruiting him they've made him a priority from day one they you know recruiting him uh were every chance they could get they wanted to be in front of him whether it was open gyms or you know even seeing his little brother play in at juliet west um they just wanted to to be in front of him and you know, i think that I would be pretty surprised at the end of the day if they didn't get one of those well, at least one of those 3 in the 2023 class to be like the Curbelo replacement down the road and I know their dream is to get to get two of them to play off each other because you know that's where the game of basketball is going is you can see it in the NBA you see it in college basketball where you you can play two point guards um especially if they have some some differing qualities where you know ones uh, can play a little bit off the ball, um, but yeah, that those two, those three guys in in general, I would say are the the next main targets to to really hit hard for Illinois and try to get one of them on the board, and then I think you can get rolling in 23 with um, some other you know in-state guys like Asa Thomas, David uh, Davious Lowry, those type of players. So um, they're in a really good position early on.
1: Yeah, Scott, like you and I have covered this long enough to like, you know, you can't just go all in on state and just in state because you're not going to get all of them, right? But you can get Iowa. You can get Adam Miller. I know he transferred, but that was a big gift for them. You can get uh, Merez Johnson, and you can get your fair share, but Brad Underwood's also done a good job of getting talent elsewhere, like the East Coast or the international market like they have. But now that's allowed them to get in the conversation. The, like the conversation we're having – is the most positive we felt probably about Illinois basketball recruiting in-state in in a while.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think you made a really good point with the out-of-state where maybe in the past they would put, like, all their eggs in one basket. And something I've thought that the Illinois staff has done well is putting them across the board. And obviously Illinois and Chicago in general is always going to be a – priority and the number one priority but they have contingency plans when plan a doesn't work out and um so i think that's been huge for them and like you said the international connections um and just being able to go to different areas of the country what you know chester fraser and jeff alexander have done in other areas of the country building those relationships and getting them involved with prospects that aren't necessarily from illinois or you know obviously kylan boswell has illinois ties but there are other prospects they're involved with nationally and i think that's huge and at the end of the day it it shows those in-state prospects that hey they offered me they're showing me that i'm a priority but it's not i'm not their end-all be-all so if i want to do this I need to jump on not necessarily saying like that was a factor with Merez because they would have taken his commitment down the line at any point, but I think you can start to kind of put a push on some of these kids and say hey, you know, we got a kid from uh, wherever Texas or Florida or, or internationally even and say you know, we want you, you're our number one priority, but we got another dude who's waiting that he's itching to commit. So we need a decision earlier than maybe you wanted to do this.
1: Great stuff. Scott Burgess, prephoopsillinois.com. Scott, great work on this and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate the time, man.
2: Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it.
1: Great stuff from Scott Burgess of Prep Hoops, Illinois. You can check him out on Twitter at Scotty B Scout. That's at Scotty B Scout on Twitter. He was all over this thing. Uh, Derek Piper has a story up now on the site. We'll have more on Marez Johnson, a nice early commitment. And as I was talking about with Scott, this is pretty normal back when I first got into covering recruiting, which was, you know, in 2008, 2009, 2010. Like everybody was committing as freshmen, sophomores. I remember Ryan Boatwright remember that name committed as a high or a eighth grader i believe uh forgot who we were committed to at that time usc yeah, I think it was USC. Ended up at UConn. Great college career. National championship, I believe, at UConn. Um, but it was just crazy how early they were committing. Uh, but Mraz Johnson feels great uh, about Illinois. And what an early statement for them in a very talented class in the state. And, and getting a front court position like that's a good sign. And I agree with Scott. You, you can sell that to. 2022, 2023 uh, recruits as well. And I think that can be a good sell. It's like, hey, we got more coming. This ain't this ain't falling off a cliff. And for Ohio fans, I think it tells you this staff might be pretty good too at recruiting. Uh, Tim Anderson's got the connections, but uh, not. It wasn't just Tim Anderson here. Obviously, it, it helps have the trust of that Mean Streets program and, and people around Morez. But um, you know, Brad Underwood's built this thing. Chester Frazier, we've seen, is a really good recruiter, and don't under. Don't underestimate Jeff Alexander either. Uh, what he's been able to do and uh, his impact on the program, and and just his knowledge of the program, and being part of the continuity of what's made this program so successful. So congratulations to those guys. It's a big win for them early on. All right, Joey Wagner and I are boarding a flight to Minneapolis here in just a few hours. Uh, Illinois against Minnesota. The more I've watched Minnesota, this isn't a team that you know is gonna. I think compete against the Ohio States of the world. They did, I guess. I shouldn't say that. They they did compete against the Ohio States of the world. But not a team that has a bunch of NFL prospects, but they're just a really good, well-put-together team. And whether you like P.J. Flex personality or not, and I wrote this in the preview, you can't argue with what he's built up in Minneapolis. He has built a winner. And that's all this guy has done at the college football level. He gets kids to go there one and then develops them incredibly well and he's built a really good football team that I think Brett Bielmo looks at and says well he has said this me and PJ aren't very much alike as people but both in-state natives and how is PJ built his team offensive line play running the football stopping the run pretty strong special teams play but and he's had some really good receivers the last couple of years but this team one of his better ones is the wide receivers are solid, but the passing game isn't what's what's leading it. It's just a team that takes care of the ball, controls possession, and I think it's gonna be a really tough matchup for Illinois. I do think Minnesota's beatable. I mean Bowling Green beat them. So if Illinois plays like it did against Penn State or plays like it did against Nebraska, I think they have a chance to win. But Minnesota's not gonna give you many opportunities. Um they are the leaders in the Big Ten in time of possession. They're two in the Big Ten in rushing offense. So Illinois' offense has to take advantage of any opportunity he gets, and that includes early in the game. Illinois has three points offensively in the first quarter this year. You're going to need to take advantage of every possession you get against Minnesota. Illinois is actually leading opponents in the second and third quarters, but the first and fourth quarters, they're absolutely getting trounced by opponents. So Tony Peterson's crew has to be better probably going to have to score 20 points in this one because despite losing all these running backs the offensive line from Minnesota has several future pros and Daniel Faalele is gets most of the attention cuz he's six nine three eighty, 380 <laughs> yeah 6'9" 380. and he's really good he's going to be a, a top two round pick in the NFL i think that's Minnesota's first o-line draft pick in more than a decade it might be two decades so great for them, but John Michael Schmitz, a center uh, out of the state of Illinois, is really good, and Blaise Andrews, their right guard, who's a former four-star prospect, is really good as well. So that right side of their offensive line is is really, really good, and Marquis serving an Illinois native has played really well for them. There's a lot of Illinois natives on that Minnesota team, and and Brad, uh, Brett Bielma is trying to keep that from happening, which Illinois has eight Illinois natives in their class 2022. P.J. Fuck has zero this time, so I think Illinois is going to put a dent into them, but uh, I think what you see in Minnesota, that's what Brett Bioma wants to be in a year, two, three. I think that's exactly... What he wants to be, and you can see Illinois and Minnesota over the years, uh, similar tracks, similar programs, kind of struggling to gain that consistency. Uh, but Minnesota, at least recently, with their last two head coaches, has been more consistent. Or even with Glenn Mason, they've been more consistent getting to bowl games than Illinois has. Illinois has had higher highs uh, for the most part, outside of PJ Flex' 10-win season, uh, but Illinois has gotten into some of those BCS games. Just not many solid seasons. In between that, so uh, I predicted Illinois to lose this one by by two possessions, two touchdowns, um, and most of our scores were Illinois in the teens, uh, Minnesota in the twenties. I think Ryan Eastering had Illinois or Minnesota scoring thirty one. So yeah, I just think it's gonna be really tough. I, I think Minnesota deserves uh, its top twenty ranking right now. They are beatable. Uh, If if Tanner Morgan has a bad day, they can be beatable, but they're just more consistent, more solid than Illinois at this point in where their programs are at. I did want to hit on uh, two two entries in the transfer portal as well. Derek Smith, the former miami transfer, who just never really worked out in Illinois, um, started a couple games at safety, but I just think he was a tweener. I, I think he was an outside linebacker, and I think that's where he should have been for most of this part physical kid um, in in run sports solid athlete just not quite fast enough not quite the read guy they need back at safety Um, so he was started he was going to start the first game if he weren't hurt um, and and played some this year played some last year but obviously really struggled uh, when he was put back there especially in uh, pass coverage so not a surprise he fell down the depth chart Kirby Joseph stole a spot and he really didn't have a spot so um, not a surprise he entered the transfer portal and this one wasn't a surprise either. I think it hurts a lot more. It's going to garner the headlines a lot more. But Marquez Beeson uh, enters the transfer portal, which is just a shame. He is the highest-ranked recruit Illinois got here, uh, at least from the prep perspective. Top 100 prospect. Bought into Lovey Smith in Illinois when so few prospects outside of him and the Trinity Catholic kids like Isaiah Williams were buying in. So you, you hate it for a kid like that who the first week we got to see him at training camp. He had like five interceptions. Now, he wasn't going against contact or anything like that, but in one-on-ones, he was dominant. And then week two, tears his ACL, and we only saw him seven games after that. Missed his first freshman season, probably was in line to be a starter that year, opposite Nate Hobbs, and I think he could have been a great playmaker because he was confident, man. Um, swagger, like none other, as a high school prospect, and, and when he came in here, But then, obviously, a huge recovery. COVID probably hurt his recovery a little bit. Had some nicks, some injuries, hamstring injury going into this year that really just slowed his development. And and there had been talk that he could transfer once Brett Bielma got here. So it's not a huge shock that that he's leaving now, especially after a switch to wide receiver, which I I didn't think was a good sign for him. He didn't show a lot of physicality last year, which this staff really wants at corner. Even the last staff wanted to see at corner. Didn't see a lot of that out of him, so he switched to wide out. But I hope he gets a, a fresh start somewhere, and he will because somebody will, will take a chance on him, and they should because the talent is there. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him transfer closer to home. But, um, you know, I cover Marquez since he was a recruit man. Love talking to him and and wish him nothing but the best. There's going to be more of these, right? Uh, guys who are buried on the depth chart especially, there could be a surprise. I don't, I don't know who those would be, but if you look at the depth chart – I think fans and us media should know that every year now, 10 to 15% of the roster is going to overturn, right? And when you have a coaching change like this, we saw over, you know, transfers late in the spring, early summer. um, But there's going to be more of these. And Illinois wants to add a lot of talent, turn over the roster to fit what they want, get players who fit their three-man front scheme on defense more. Fit people fit what they want more offensively, whether it's the quarterback room more pocket passers, wide receivers getting more physical guys, uh, or the offensive line getting bigger, stronger, um, quicker up front. So all of those things, I I think you're going to see more of that turnover. Just because you see guys under the transfer portal doesn't mean this is, uh, uh uh-oh, what's going on? Everybody's going to have this. Uh, This has been a very busy week in the transfer portal. Two of them happen to be from Illinois. There's going to be more of them, but – Illinois is going to hit seven at least, guys, because they want to get to seven transfers out so that they can sign 32 players. They're going to sign 20 to 21 prep players. Brett Bielma has been up front with that, most of them by the early signing period. They want to have more defensive players coming up here, but then they want to add 10 to 12 transfers who can help immediately, and they need help immediately. With all the super seniors leaving and the year you've had right now, you need a lot more talent. So they're going to go out in the transfer portal and try to really boost their chances to compete in the 2022 season. So more transfers will not be surprising, um, unless it's uh, some of the guys we think are the mainstays. It won't be too alarming to me either, because uh, a lot of these guys, um, coaching change, there's position changes, there's scheme changes, and there's just a different outlook on what they want in their roster. And there's going to be a big offseason for Brett Bielma, kind of resetting his roster. And he's going to add to that in future years. But this is kind of a huge um, turning points offseason to where he's going to get his guys in here, his kind of players in here. And we'll see what he can do with it. Because last year, the the transfer portal hasn't really worked out for them. Uh, Add a lot of guys who are are good culture guys, I believe, but haven't just made a huge impact on the field. They need to find guys who can make a huge impact on the field immediately. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. We'll have a busy weekend. Uh, we got basketball season right around the corner. Illinois at Minnesota, Joey Wagner and I will be up there with the latest on that. Early signing period for basketball is next week. Early signing period for football is in a month. So now is a great time to sign up for an Illini Enquirer VIP membership. You can do that for just $1 for your first month. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast.